I guess, hello, swords and sound. This is the start of the third season. You know, oh, fuck. I was going to quote something, but I really can't remember what it was. I took some time to rest. I'm back now. I I really am referencing something, I swear. I hope you can hear my little bracelet jingle. Woo! <laughs> it's my grandma's. Um, but I've been thinking, since I started business school, I've been thinking, oh, I'm sorry about my fan. I should turn that off, but it's hot as all get out in New York. It's literally like 33 Celsius every day. Um, but basically, since I started business school, something that I noticed is I've been thinking about swimming a lot. And all of... I So, as we know, if you've listened to swimming episodes, I believe I would have specified this, but I quit um, after high school, going into college, even though I was like heavily recruited, recruited D1, whatever. Um, I was just like this it's not for me for all sorts of reasons it was just really really wanted to focus on my academics if nothing else I've always just been someone who first and foremost is like I I will not sacrifice anything for my education because that's what I care about more than anything um in terms of like hobbies obviously I care about like people like my family and friends the most um side note maybe not obvious because my mom once said something really sad to me I won't like in I think I also have said this on the podcast but she was just like not everyone thinks that way Karina and I was like like that was that was truly baffling to me and it was like a hard thing to swallow to accept and it's it's not something I'm good at accepting um and I'm fine with that that sometimes people don't prioritize people (laughs) like that's just genuinely not something that they do and that that it's so so perplexing (laughs) but back to the point is just ultimately academics over swimming and even swimming d1 i i'm just smarter smart i'm smarter than i was fast so anywhere i could have swam it would have been a downgrade essentially and i'm sure like they all find institutions not naming names so it doesn't really matter (laughs) um yeah so throughout university I just never I always thought it was weird that I didn't think more about swimming because I was just like it just it just disappeared like that was my life five hours a day six to seven days a week with maybe a week off each year for 11 years and even before that I I took my first swim lesson at six months and I continued swim lessons until I started swimming competitively at the age of what, like at the age of seven um so it's a really bizarre it, it was just always baffling to me that that was and I was like maybe it's just because I, I the way I rationalized it was that I'd had years of wanting to quit before I finally was done and so it was just ramped down so it was just relief of like oh and for a while I was like oh surely it'll hit me eventually and it just never did and so I was like oh I guess I guess there was just nothing else other than like whatever other effects it had with it like the eating disorder stuff and just some other control issues um which obviously 
still hard at work to modify, to fix, to get over, what have you. But now that I'm in business school, I've been having, like, weirdly, maybe not weirdly, a bit of an athlete mindset again. I was in class, and there's so many presentations. Uh, all of these courses are so intensive because it's, it's like, it's a interlock schedule. So it's just shorter time. Like, it's not an entire semester. It's, like, half a semester, a few weeks. But it's still all the same content just shoved in there. So it's presentations every day, always having to be ready to go in terms of speech. And I'm a social person, but I am very deeply an introvert. And so to just always have that that kind of sensation of always having to be on was something I could only equate to swimming. And especially one of the first classes was business communications, which is to a degree not about content at all it's purely about style about how you deliver it because anyone can look up that content and to a degree anyone you're presenting to is always going to have that information so it's about what you bring to it and I was like I have to bring something and I haven't really had to in any situation other than in my writing which to me is a very different part of the brain the body my world my inner world for me personally I don't really know how that works for most people and so I'd be getting up for presentation and I was like, I felt like I had to do my old stretch combination from uh, before practices and stuff like that. And then my strategy class, we were talking about ideas of luck and game theory. And I was getting into like, I, I just started thinking a lot about how superstitious swimming was and how your superstitions can lock you into narratives as well like oh I didn't get to do this and it can be so hard to let go of that thought before a race and then that'll ultimately be your downfall or maybe it wasn't but there's not really a way to differentiate that when you're hanging it on some niche specific event of I didn't eat enough pasta three nights ago or like I didn't I put my legs up for up the wall for 17 minutes instead of 21 and it's like so they're going to be too tight, I'm not going to be whatever, and it's to the point that fixating on habit means you ignore your body, and it ignores what's right in front of you, and that's just like how companies ultimately, when they're like, oh, we have this down, we know our industry, have this niche, you start to, because you rely so much on your expertise, you ignore what's in front of you, which is plagued by innovation. Um, so... I swear there's other things, but I just want to introduce a background, and now I'm suddenly blanking on what made me even. Uh, well, there's <laughs> surely something, because this has been collecting in the background for weeks on end now, um, in the second month already. Uh, but I'm watching, is this called Breakpoint? Yeah, it is. The tennis docu-series. I watched the first season not watching this one and then I obviously like if you've listened to any of the episodes I love F1 and kind of separately I think F1 also piques my interest because of its um role in luxury spheres and my own interest in the concepts of luxury uh but I'd really like to write a paper just kind of breaking down for myself why why luxury you know or not my luxury sorry why F1 like, what's the appeal to everyone? Because I have so many friends that come at it from different angles. I have a close friend who also, like, 
as much as we obviously love the drivers, she also comes at it from, like, very luxury-based approach as well. Um, but then I know people where just their families have supported these teams for, like, multiple generations now. And it's just, you live and die, typically by Ferrari, because it's how, as Ferrari fans are. And... Yeah, I don't know. It's specifically with Breakpoint, there's so many distinct. Per- that I don't have anything to say. I haven't found what I was looking for yet, so I'll just be rambling for a bit about whatever comes to mind in hopes that I find my way back. Um, but there's so many distinct personalities in tennis and in sport specifically. And I think it's interesting how we. They're all. with tennis, all playing the same game all on their own, but everyone has their weird superstitions. They have their weird, like, cognitive, moments of cognitive dissonance, where it's just, like, you look at these people before their matches, if you were to take them off the court in the middle, you, there would be no way to tell they were going through the same thing. And sometimes it's like, oh, it's, so much is controlling a narrative. And, and this episode, or the last episode, um, so, you know, maybe two episodes, I don't know, lose track of time because I'm just watching them all in one go. But Serena Williams is there, the crowd's going crazy for her, and it's you versus Serena versus the crowd, and how do you ignore that? And this is something that was also interesting to think about with swimming, is that in swimming, you don't know who the crowd is cheering for. If you can hear anything at all, you do not know who the crowd is cheering for, you know? And is so isolated in a way that is completely unique. And at the start of the season, I'm not saying this, this isn't, these are not my words, but they say that tennis is a very uniquely selfish sport. And even though swimming sometimes has team elements with relays and whatever, it is a very individual sport, but it never feels selfish and even though we all have like our own little rivalries competitions within a team within practices and you're always racing people because some of my friends lately have been saying oh like oh they could never swim they can never race because or do individual sports rather than team ones because it's just too divisive in a way but I never felt that with swimming because when you're always pushing the other you're just getting better. Like, you're all just getting better together. And so it never felt like anything other than a team sport, even though you're very much alone in that pool. You're alone in the pool hours a day. You have a few seconds of rest. You're looking at a clock. You're just doing mental math. You're like, oh, fuck, all the time. And in that way, swimming is also, like, very meditative for me because it's just... Yeah, it's just, like, there's rhythm, there's flow, there's beauty, like, there's line, there's so, there's physics in any sport, but what's so beautiful about, like, the physics with swimming, I can't, with any sport, but physics with swimming is, it's, like, a different element, you're in the water, and everyone's bodies are slightly different, so there is optimal motion, but how does optimal motion fit into the fact that, like, Butterflies have an advantage when they have a longer torso, something like that. So if you have a shorter torso, how are you going to compensate? How can you physically kind of adjust? And there's always strengths and weaknesses with other sports, but you don't have that added resistance of <laughs> just giant pool of water that you're, you're pulling through. 
And it's interesting to see how it could play into, like, just such a subconscious area. Because you can't really see other people in the pool. You can just feel them. You can feel the water. You can feel that motion so literally. And that's where it's like, oh, fuck, I gotta go. And there's there's some weird... Usually that's pretty spot on. But there are some weird races. I can remember... I don't remember the exact details now. But there's... I know there was two moments later in my swimming career. I also just remember what I was going to say initially. I hope I don't lose it. I had two moments in, like, middle of when I was good. (laughs) I guess you could say. Um, That... I was like, oh, I'm with everyone. Maybe I'm even, like, second or third. I was dead last. I was dead last by... Uh, just by so much. Because sometimes, you know, like, even the reliance on that feeling can, can become arrogance, can become kind of ignorance. Where you're like, oh, yeah, surely I'm being carried, and then actually it's just everyone else is awake in front of you. And you just didn't know, because you're like, oh, I'm in the zone. This is cool. This is, like, feeling. But it's like, no. Even... To lean into any feeling in a sport, specifically swimming, is to lose the plot entirely. And then there is, there's, there's more times where this happened, but I would thought that I was losing. I think this was also just partially because I trained myself to think this way so that I'd feel pressure. Because I do very well under pressure. Um, a side effect of PTSD. A great news, I'm incredible under pressure. If there's a stressful situation... I, you literally will never meet someone better than me because I'm just dead calm. Um, but I, much more often, I would be winning, thinking I was like midfield, and that was that was always like welcome surprise. But in a weird way, it was also not that satisfying. Like assigning any narrative was just never satisfying because you'd be like, oh, like I, I it was it's almost like you wanted to work even more or like there was more to do. And you didn't get the opportunity. And it's like, yeah, you still won. But then swimming is also strange. And the fact that it's so time-oriented until you get to those big meets. Because everyone's just trying to make cuts. Everyone's going for different cuts. Because some people swim YMCA, USA, even if you're at the same meet. Um, so it's like everyone there is very su- it's a, like a very supportive community in that way. Which... I guess is probably probably rare, especially in the face of all the tennis stuff that I'm watching. It certainly seems to be. And I think that's probably part of why swimmers swimmers are very strange. This is just something we acknowledge in the community. Like, we are all a little off. And I think it's just because it doesn't play out in a lot of ways that you expect sports to. uh, Especially in terms of mentality. And there's also my favorite little statistic is that um, in any university, like across the board, swimmers always have the highest GPA, just like undoubtedly. I think the average is something like genuinely like 3.7, 3.8, which it's probably just because all we do is fucking math in the pool. Because it's just, you leave on the top, when do you leave on this? And if you lose track, oh my God, based on what time, where are you in the set? Whatever. Um, and then the whole time you're still swimming, you're still working on mechanics, you're still whatever. Um, but basically with the processing of the sport, what I did not realize is more than 
the lack the the tumultuous nature of swimming the lack of peace in in those moments it was also it was so tied to what was going on in my life in a way that I couldn't see until now now that that kind of feeling of swimming that feeling of like just needing to be on top of things being ready to go in a way that I haven't in a way that's to me being social is a physical task that I can't quite describe and I think that's why a lot of not not everyone but a lot of athletes can come off very extroverted and then you find out that they're actually deeply introverted like most of the f1 drivers all introverted even though they'll be like so funny and outgoing in their interviews and stuff like that um because it's like that's their zone that's when they're able to communicate without translation almost um but now that i'm back and needing to do that whereas in purely academic settings it wasn't as necessary it was it could could truly just be when I had something to say when that introverted extroverted flip switch would flip sorry (laughs) flip would switch what was that wrong I'm not gonna think about that too much um but oh I just realized that so basically in my opinion I pretty statistically peaked was swimming when I was 14 or 15 and my sophomore year of high school it went very downhill and (laughs) and by downhill I mean I would drop I would still be dropping time every season but it it I wasn't as good as I once was to be honest like proportionally my cuts improvements like it, it just wasn't it wasn't making sense especially because I had I was on the best team I'd ever swim for, um, because in the U.S. for U.S. swimming, there's different like rankings for teams. I don't. We were a silver team, and there's only fifty silver teams in the country, or at least that's how it was. So, but there's I think there was gold teams as well. I think there was probably something like fifteen gold teams. I don't really know. So the point is, I was top. 70 swim teams in the United States of America, which is the best swim country in the world, and I was not performing. So, like, something's wrong with that, you know? And I was so ready to blame it on my high school swimming because my high school swim coaches fucked up every swimmer that went through my high school. So that's why I didn't swim high school swimming my last season, um, senior year, because I was just like, I know I'm going to be quitting after this. I might as well just try and give it my all. And so I did, and it, it went so much better. So it's like, it definitely was in part because they just fuck shit up so bad. Um, I really hate one of my coaches for social reasons, we'll say, as well. Um, one of them was lovely, but both as coaches, I was upsetting. But yeah, I realized since then, that I'm now in a safe place to analyze the social elements that were going wrong. Because uh, that sophomore year of high school is when my life, in a way, went to shit again. (laughs) Um, My instinct is to be like, oh, I'm not going to talk about this. Oh, I'm not going to talk about this. It's too sad. It's too whatever. But I think it's important because as athletes, as I see in this show, we're 
at the start of the season, one girl who had been known for being in a relationship with another famous tennis player, they broke up and she said, but I'm an athlete, so we have to keep going. And when you get so lost in the sport, you feel like you've processed something very well. And for the most part, you haven't. And I feel like so many great athletes are very emotionally stunted or so many greats of anything are deeply emotionally stunted as a result. Because you're like, oh, surely I couldn't function in this way if I, like, if I wasn't doing well, then I couldn't do this other thing. It's like, well, maybe you're not very naturally gifted. You've already, like, you work like a machine in that, in that area of your life. Um, so the point is, I, w- uh, I will be willing to talk about this. I obviously do not use names as... I just don't, even with my own friends on the podcast. Unless, of course, they're the one, then they'll say a little guest speaker moment. But, which I'm also hoping to do now. I will see if I stick to doing any of my intended form with this, just as a heads up. But now I kind of have to get back to the groove because I let it go so thoroughly <laughs> for a while. But I have been making little weekly videos on YouTube if you're interested and if you know me then just text me you don't if you haven't already been sent a video um slay where is this going oh so my sophomore year of high school my my freshman year of high school was great i made right before switching teams i made my team's like national team like made national cut was going to all these like highly select I I'd always gone to highly selective meets but those are pretty cut oriented but like every single meet of my season was selective at that point there's usually like a few like throwaways even at a higher level not throwaways nothing's a throwaway I do I do my best do some of my best work at those meets and like the shittiest suit ever like practice suit essentially um so yeah no nothing's a throwaway everything's an opportunity but it'd be like the kind of meet where your coach I don't know why, but some of my coaches want to punish me and, like, put me in races that I just would never do. And so they'd send you to not as important meets where they didn't care about scoring. And they'd have you do your off events. I don't quite, I've never actually quite really understood why they did that, but maybe, like, humbling experience? I, I don't know. It certainly was humbling one time with, with the 200 fly, but I talked about that. I'm pretty positive. Anyway, so I came back. I did. I was at a high point with this one team. I was on the national team for a year, and I was about to age up to 15 years old. And I was transferring to this top 60, 65 team in the country. And I was really, I was feeling on the up, and I felt so, it was, the training was very different at this team, and I really thrive with change after, like, after I get settled into a routine, I really like a challenge. And so that's what this felt like to me. I felt like I was comfortable with the level of success I had been at, and I felt like this was the right next move, like, in terms of narrative trajectory, it just makes sense. And I was doing well, and then I got to high school season they fucked my shit up and I went back to normal season and I was so discouraged because of how it went 
and how the tra- they just throw off my transition and there's such a social pressure because otherwise you're with all guys and honestly that can be so good for your swimming sometimes they're just like just I don't know there's just stigma I guess about people who only did club and didn't do high school and at my high school probably should have just ignored the stigma and just skipped it from the start um so I was discouraged and I made some friends from other high schools that were honestly a bad influence on me like as a swimmer as someone just like who has like addiction habits running in the family I, I'm not someone that ever very much never did drugs at all never got close I was actually very annoying to my friends who did them in high school and I very seldom drank like but the thing here is that like pretty Europe like I'm white like very European background and not just like American like European background so like I would have wine with my mom sometimes things like that and as a result I was like oh like it's fine if I just like occasionally have wine with my friend like that's whatever um and that that although those habits didn't start until like junior senior year of high school because sophomore year they would like to do like urban exploring like go to places with fun views in the city and I was like no I don't really know how I feel about this because in general I'm also just very good at two-shoes very much I care so much about school and swimming and like performing well and I need to be seen as capable so badly I need to need to be seen as in control essentially not in, seen as in control I need to feel in control and to me that is aided when other people think I am because it's a reinforcement of identity you understand uh, that felt so condescending as the words left my mouth so I need to feel in control so it's just like <laughs> I don't know about that even though something I always say is that to this day I still get in like trouble with some of my friends for being too polite because it, it can it's just caused some communication issues so I, I'm learning on not leaning into any narrative still in that area of my life still learning to respond situationally not just with the blankets of etiquette because um, I'm yeah, just deeply polite person uh, so yeah long story short is I would drink sometimes sometimes so sorry if my mom ever listens to this I would skip some practice you know and that obviously is going to take a toll on how you perform and it also took a toll on my relationship with my coaches because that first year ever there's like I was a new kid and a lot of the people they they have like team tryouts like trials they have races and stuff to audition for the team essentially in addition to like taking note of your cuts they want to see how you are as an athlete and see it like because it's a kind of idea of like natural talent gets you at however far but do you have that mindset and they want to see it in action and so they only took like one or two swimmers a year and I was one of the only swimmers they took and so they really care they put a lot of effort into me and then when you stop showing up you're gonna ruin that trust and unfortunately, be, uh, like, I was good, but swimming had, high school swimming had messed me up, so I wasn't, I wasn't top of the line anymore. And so I understood why they didn't try that hard to keep fighting for me, and said they're like, if you want it, you want it. And the, if the disappointment here of us not showing interest isn't enough, that's your problem, kind of thing. 
And I understand that approach. I do think it was hard because, again, when I was on the national team, that coach there, she believed in me like there's no tomorrow. And that was the best feeling because all of your coaches care in their own way and you understand that. And I've had any kind of coach you can imagine cycle through the works, especially because I've played so many other sports. And she was the absolute best coach I've ever had. And her just believing me, I think, is so fully what got me to where I did. And I'm grateful for her to this day because, it, like, honestly, in short, without her, I wouldn't know what it feels like to have someone see something in you that you respect in that field, in that industry, in that area. Because I, like, I saw what she'd accomplished. I knew how talented, how talented she was, and she could see something in me that I couldn't. Because I always believed in myself. I'm someone who's just like more than anything it's like if I want it I'll do it uh so more than belief it's just blind drive to some degree I'm like blind determination but she is that soul feeling was never there for me and has very seldom ever been there for me with anything and the fact that someone else could see something in me just meant a lot and especially from someone you respect that means a lot and is a feeling that I do not take for granted in the slightest and I am so grateful to her um because like my mom supported me honestly something was a rift with my mom and I. it was a tough place to be in um I also said that I literally wasn't allowed to like or was heavily discouraged, I would have been allowed, probably, to do a sport that she was very good at, like basketball or softball, because she would get a little too hands-on, helicopter, angry, couldn't really control her emotions with those things, but because she knew nothing about swimming, it was harder for her to feel like she had final say, if you will. And nonetheless, <laughs> she, 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 that didn't work out, as we thought. Um... Uh, it was it was harrowing and that's why I have like suddenly such a soft spot for Max Verstappen because when I last year when I was getting into F1 the first what probably 10 months I guess I just like had a lot to say I was just like oh he's winning he doesn't seem to care at all and now that I understand his background I'm like my mom never hit someone with like a hammer never was close to manslaughter but the vibe was very sim- very deeply similar. Especially as a child when you can't tell the difference between those things. It was, yeah. So now I have such a deep respect for Verstappen that I did not before. Um, and I know that everyone goes through their trials and tribulations, but I know the fact that he can, he was someone who was able to succeed through that. And, I don't know, I... I'm getting there to the point of, like, what happened socially with this group of people. But if that had never happened, and if my fucking high school coaches didn't exist, then I could see fully how, like, my mentality, which was, like, brought up in the same way his was, would have worked. But he is someone who's very emotionally immature, and the social lessons that destroyed my swimming brought me another level of maturity that I would not have reached otherwise 
and I'm not one to like moralize suffering. I believe this could have gone any other ways, any other any other number of ways. Like if I had been shown a positive example of community that had distract that had not distract me, but like uprooted this childish one track mind thought process I had, then it would have similarly I would have matured. But also for a while at least my swimming probably would have suffered too. And it's not to say that it wouldn't have ever got back on track, that there aren't just things we have to work through to get to our next form. But it's just saying that this is what happened and this is how my mindset moved <laughs> through the through its paces. Um, but basically this group of people, they were just like fun. They had all known each other for a long time. They seemed like they trusted each other more than anything. Such great, like friends and I like being on a new team being in high school being like again a very introverted person it was nice to just be a part of something that seemed like fun and cool and ultimately one of the people in short because obviously this brings up high school dramas crazy especially the fact that there's high school drama or gossip about an instance where I was like brutally like by like brutal acts of violence were committed against me the fact that that became gossip when I literally couldn't show up to school for however long is insane but long story short one of them one of the people in the group raped me (laughs) and that was I honestly like I've I've always hesitated to call that my first time having sex but it like technically it was Technically, as in, like, I would like to call the time after that the first time, because I don't think it's fair to have something like that taken from you, um, ever, but especially, like, it just compounds, even though it's purely conceptual, virginity is just an idea, you know, but in this case, uh, there's some part of me where it's like, no, if I call this other thing that, then I feel like I've taken something back, you know, it's a small mental victory but it's what I want to have and so that's what I say is that it was not my first time but just for reference is that I just very inexperienced person is all (laughs) like had barely just turned 16 you know um yeah so that happened and then he lied about everything and all of our friend group took his side even after I was like can you please tell them you're lying even after he did admit that he was lying they had already done damage like I said they were very loyal to each other and just spread things around (laughs) and they all said they I think I'm honestly very grateful that a lot of the friends that did stay with me never told me the specifics of what was going around but um basically they said that I was going to lie and frame him for something he did not that that I was going to lie and say that he had assaulted me when in fact he did not when in and I was like that is so weird like also how does no one question that so deeply how does no one question that knowing like if you didn't hear in the first place that I ever said something like that and you just hear like a cover-up rumor which is so obviously a high school boy cover-up rumor are you thick in the head? Like, what? Um, so I people stopped talking to me. And I had I lost a best friend because she said I was too much drama. And I was like, 
what? I, like, I was, I don't, it was, it was a tough time. And I just leaned into swimming, especially because it goes right into summer season after that. Because this was the, like, winter, spring. Or spring, I guess. So I went right into summer season. And summer season, if you know anything about swimming, is a fucking grind. In high school sports, you have a hell week. Summer is hell season for club swimming. <laughs> it is just brutal. Um, so I just went all in. But I went all in in the way that was obsessive, in the way that the kind of anger and fury my mom would direct towards me when I was doing, like, I always knew I was doing my best, and I knew that there's, like, learning curves, and I, I understood the nuances of swimming, I understand the new, like, the minutia of movement and <laughs> all of my races, and I understood what I could do better, but anything other than new cuts, because I was so, I also think it's because she got, she also got used to how great I genuinely was until the age of 14 that then when you don't continue that it can be frustrating and I understand that but that kind of anger which she had had come out granted at some points in my childhood as well or a lot in my childhood but neither here nor there <laughs> um earlier in my childhood that was so much fun. but that kind of feeling was something I was putting on myself and I knew, based on how I'd react whenever she did that when I was, like, 8, 9, 10, that that's, those were the only times when my swimming suffered, is when she was running hellfire. I don't do well. I don't swim well when I swim emotionally. I don't do anything well when I do it emotionally. I think that goes back to the whole, like, when I'm under pressure... I'm emotionless. I am simply great at whatever it is that's happening. And that's why when I got to... I played lacrosse a bit in high school, too, for fun, because there was, like, time before swim practice, so I did also play lacrosse. Um, I always sleep lacrosse a little early to go swim. But anyway, but I was so good at lacrosse. Like, just very naturally, because it's just... You're always under pressure, and the team sport element came easy to me after swimming. Um... And it just worked very well. So, yeah, so I did very much leaned into that, and I was eventually just like, this is fine. But then I found myself getting into, like, couple, two more times I got in, I was not in a relationship with this first person, but later in life I got into two relationships that ultimately became violent as well. And I would cut them off right as they became violent, but I'd like, I didn't know I couldn't see it coming, and I realized that it was... I realized, isolated from swimming, that it was because I had never unpacked it, so I took the time to unpack it and unpack my relationship with, like, sex or anything like that, even though very, very chill person, <laughs> please don't read that the wrong way, but just, like, even the idea of it and even, like, being able to see signs, because... I think when you've experienced that kind of trauma, sometimes you can be, like, you can kind of gaslight yourself into thinking that you're reading into things. You'll be like, oh, I'm just, I just think this because I went through something difficult, and it's actually fine. And the whole time it was never fine. You, you were correct, and you should have just, like, listened to yourself. But it's because, and it's okay to be closed off for a while. If, if it is, if you're, the voices in your head are being extreme and be like, just shut everyone out, that's okay for a while. Because there's also the idea that 
any of these emotions lasts for 90 seconds. If you feel them, if you just let them sit there, any emotion will be there for 90 seconds. And after that, then you're wallowing. Whether you're wallowing in joy, in sorrow, in anxiety, after that, it's wallowing. So just take the 90 seconds, like, kind of feel it, like, know what it is, and then think about it. And then and then go meta. My kind of issue is that I would immediately go meta. And I'd be like, oh, surely I'm just overreacting. Surely I'm doing this thing. And I wasn't. And I just wasn't. And that's, it's sad that I was ever made to feel that way. Um, and it's not my fault that those people did things. But if I'm to protect myself, because clearly the people that were supposed to, the people that I got into relationships with, I was supposed to trust them. And I didn't. Or I did trust trust that's a whole other thing they're supposed to be trustworthy they're supposed to look out for me and they didn't so you know it's not my fault that they are that way they clearly aren't going to change on their own and I will not suffer anymore and I knew it well enough to cut them off but I needed to learn skills to look out for that and so when I got into my like college relationship I guess you could say um I don't want to reduce them to that because but you not that it's a reduction that's a very special place privilege whatever what have you um but he's the sweetest most wonderful person in the world like i knew i'd done something right you know and not that how someone else is about you but based on the change in pattern something went right (laughs) you know and that just made it all the more wonderful and it's so still something I continue to think about. But now that the swimming element's coming back, I can see how much that was affected. And honestly, because this is something I have not talked about before or felt much, um, I'm mourning the swimming now. <laughs> um, I miss it, and I can't believe everything in my life was stolen from me over and over in so many ways and I'm only just now (laughs) how many years later is this fucking what like six seven years later I'm only just now realizing or I guess only four after swimming itself but the rest of it six years um that that was stolen from me too my whole life that not my whole life but that life the life that I was headed towards that was taken too and I that not only was it taken I blamed myself I blame myself because in swimming it's your body so much of it is in your head and I was like oh I just wasn't mentally tough enough I was so mentally tough (laughs) but this trauma was physical as well and I wasn't allowed the space to deal with it because it's something that's so taboo and that's why I care so much to make myself talk about it now especially because I know that I'm have had the tools, have had therapy, have been able to get help so that I might be able to talk about it but if I had been able to talk about it then, sooner than I could and in a way that I could conceptualize better then maybe I could still have this thing I love I mean swimming culture is fucked up but I love swimming like I love being in water 
so my mom <laughs> she would <laughs> uh, like I specifically love like big bodies of water like oceans big lakes <laughs> stuff like that and so anywhere we went we'd go somewhere near the ocean I went to the south coast of Spain or we went to the coast of Portugal or Croatia because she was like <laughs> she just knew I'd get so I was sad until I was in a body of water um water it means a lot to me it feels so silly to say but it does um i mean literally does everybody but like some spiritual i guess not that that's more important at all but it's important to me and i'm trying not to minimize that um and i can't believe that that was a part of it and that i didn't get to safely acknowledge that until now (sighs) and especially because I do still have a very competitive spirit and all things in life things I probably don't need it for (laughs) definitely don't need it for um but I thought it was like get me back in the fucking pool all these bitches who was the boss (laughs) like as though now (laughs) I have some super power but the fireworks in New York, New York, about to go off. It's Independence Day. I am not a very patriotic American, but I like to feel the boom in my heart when they go off. You know. Um. Side note: I'll tell you about my favorite Fourth of July because I was gonna be a junior. No, not junior. It's gonna be a senior. I don't know. It was some summer in high school, and I was lake riding with this guy, and we some some of his friends and I went to the ledge in Chicago for um, Independence Day, Fourth of July, whatever. And then, oh lord, I blinked. Uh, also, a lot of my friends happened to be there because everyone goes to the ledge in Chicago for fireworks and it started the fireworks had just started and him and oh my god they're going off here now but he had just um fireworks had just started we were like oh let's go in the lake like it'll be fun to watch from the water and then it started raining and I kissed in the rain in Lake Michigan with the fireworks going you can feel the boom in your heart and then you're also so excited because this was one of like this was a new person this was like like I said, I was not an experienced individual. Um, so it just, it just all, again, compounds. This time for the better, and I can still just remember that as a very particularly magical moment in my life. And so I still like to watch the fireworks. Not because I support America, let alone the fucking Supreme Court and all the shit they've been pulling. They always do shit, but all in a week, I can't get into that right now. Um... But to honor that, to honor those beautiful things that I have experienced as well. Love beams. <laughs>